Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Calling all partners. Losing weight is better together with Nutrisystem's Partner Plan. In fact, people who diet together lose 20% more weight than dieting on their own. Get new premium meals with up to 30 grams of protein. They're big and filling and taste delicious. Plus, try our new restaurant faves that taste like your favorite restaurant portioned with half the calories. Don't wait. You could win big cash during Nutrisystem's Better Together Partner Plan 100K giveaway. And maybe win the grand prize of $25,000. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash Thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off your first month. You heard me right. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Don't wait. This partner plan offer will not last long. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin. See website for details on our two-month subscription offer. No purchase necessary. Open only to U.S. residents over 21. Void where prohibited. Runs December 25 through April 4th, 2022. For official rules, visit Nutrisystem.com. Sponsored by Inc. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've got our first look at live-action Powerpuff Girls, and people have a lot of feelings about the costumes. Daniel Day Kim is opening up about why he walked away from a hit CBS show. And we're chatting with Sachi Cole about toxic celebrity gossip. It's April 13th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shiloh Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Shiloh, I'm actually going to blame you for this because Morgan is your report. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I honestly, I feel bad for her. I messaged her after and I was like, I'm so sorry you had to go through this. Um, So there's this like viral popcorn salad that's taking over the internet. and That was on like the the Food Network, right? Like yes, the website it was like an itself. actual recipe they approved to be made. And I, I just, it's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Like it's popcorn and mayo. And that's not even the worst of it. There's like these weird vegetables snap in there. Snap peas. Why are leaves. there snap peas in there? It's not, it's not a salad. I'm sorry, but like <laughs> mayo, mayo in anything is not a salad. It just can't be. And then popcorn. No, this is, this is the worst of America. Yeah, anyway, so someone, someone like actually came up with this, published it. Everyone, of course, dragged them because what? And then Morgan tried it to be like, okay, let's see. And no, it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. The pictures of her face while she was eating it. I felt so bad. I was like, this is, this is torture. <laughs> 
Okay, so we're starting today with an extreme blast from the 90s past, and I am genuinely just so excited. So we recently got our first look at the CW live-action Powerpuff Girls show with some behind-the-scenes photos of the three superheroes dressed in, how can I say this delicately, Party City Powerpuff Girls costumes. (laughs) A lot of people, including myself, were like, "Um, doesn't the CW have a bigger budget so they can spring for a costume designer? You know, but not to worry. According to the showrunners, the iconic tricolor dresses with black belts will only be used in flashback scenes. And then, you know, probably because everyone freaked out, they then dropped pictures of the three lead actors wearing regular non-animated person clothes in their trademark shades of pink, blue, and green. And I'm like, phew, okay, we're we're back to where I thought <laughs> we were going. But in case you don't know, the series will cover how classic characters, Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup, navigate their adult lives after living their childhoods as superheroes. Chloe Bennett, Dove Cameron, and Yana Peralt will star as the Powerpuff Girls. And Donald Faison will play their quote-unquote father, Professor Utonium. I'm really excited for this show. I mean, I love the show growing up, and to see it not only be live action, but like, you know, they're adults now, I'm I'm ready to see this. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to see a trailer, because I really don't know what, like, the tone of the show is going to be. Like, is it going to be more CW drama-y? And I don't know, because I think it would be pretty funny if it was a comedy, kind of. You yeah, know? I kind of want something campy. Yeah, know? exactly. Because like, I think it's so funny just to like, I think of them kind of like as if we were watching a show about child stars growing up because they were child superheroes. Yes. So I'd love to see them like <laughs> navigate the real world and like what they can and cannot do and how they learn it. I think that'd be hilarious. It would. I mean, because the show in itself is, it's kind of a ridiculous premise. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think they just have to have fun with it. Meanwhile, actor Daniel Day Kim is finally revealing what went on behind the scenes of his sudden departure from the CBS hit series Hawaii Five-0 back in 2017. Now, most of us remember Kim best for his portrayal of Jin on Lost, but after the show wrapped, he went on to star in seven seasons of the CBS reboot of Hawaii Five-0. Fans were shocked when he departed the series alongside fellow Korean-American actor Grace Park. In a new interview with Vulture, Kim's revealed exactly what actually went down. He explained that he took a huge pay cut after loss wrapped in order to join Five-O and says that he and Park were only asking for pay parity with the series' two white male leads, Alex O'Loughlin and Scott Can. Now, Kim says that CBS execs refused to meet their demands and instead made them an offer 10 to 15 percent below what Can and O'Loughlin were making, so both he and Park walked. He also alluded to the fact that his co-stars may have been less than helpful in the negotiations, saying, quote, It's hard for me to collectively say whether they were allies in this. I do know that the way things got spun by the end changed my relationship with them. Oh, that is just awful on top of everything. I mean, the pay disparity, that's just awful awful, disgusting. And when you find out what, no matter what industry you're in, when you find out you are making less than someone who's doing the same job as you, that's not right. And the fact that they said no to it, good for them for walking. But what's awful is that those two other white male co-stars, they have power to, if, if they wanted to, they could have said, hey, let's all have equal pay. And, you know, Casey, this is something that we've seen more and more, but I mean, people are actually, like you said, People need to speak up and support their co-stars. And we've seen this with Grey's Anatomy recently. Patrick Dempsey was making almost double what Ellen Pompeo was making. And she I'm is sorry, great. what? 
No. What? She is great. She's what? the titular character. It's what Wait, was it? no. This is really upsetting because I've I've watched this show every single season and I'm so genuinely confused. That makes me so mad at Hollywood. She's the star of the show. I am not okay right now. It's unacceptable. It's just, it's so unacceptable. to So to see this like consistently happen and people not speak up when they have the opportunity. Why would you want to make a show with someone every day next to you, knowing that they're putting in just as much work as you and not think that they should be paid the same amount? Like, yeah, there's only so, so much one can take truly when they are being disrespected like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I understand why, why they walked, um, and the show's lost, but Anyway, moving on, it's time to get into it about celebrity gossip and specifically celebrity gossip blogs. Now, we've talked a lot on the show lately about demeaning tabloid and celebrity coverage in the 2000s. I mean, come on, just leave Britney alone. (laughs) Um, And and blogs like Perez Hilton and Lainey Gossip were a big part of that coverage. Now, some of the people behind these blogs are apologizing for their coverage, but is that enough to make up for how they treated the celebrities? To hash this all out, we're talking with BuzzFeed News senior culture writer Sachi Cole. She wrote the piece, Perez Hilton and Lainey Gossip were famous for their mean blogs. Now they're trying to change. Hi, Sachi. Hi, how are you? Good. Thanks so much for joining us. So, you know, this piece focuses on the incredibly toxic era of gossip blogs in the mid-2000s. You talk about how you read these sites like Lainey Gossip and Perez Hilton as a teen. What do you remember about them? What did you like about them? (laughs) Nothing good. (laughs) Yeah, like it probably speaks volumes to my state of mind as a teenager that I was like, ooh, I want to read some blogs that call women fat. Like clearly there was some internalized misogyny and sexism and homophobia and racism that I was (laughs) parsing through. But it was also very much what the culture felt like at the time. It was appropriate and it was reasonable to say awful things about Paris Hilton or Britney Spears. It was considered like that was their penance. They were so rich and so famous. It was our duty to make sure that they knew that we could knock them down a little bit. And it was like a good 10 years. Like it went on for a really long time. I don't, I'm trying to think of like, what was a clarifying moment? It was obviously a slow burn, but one day it just felt like the clouds parted. We were like, I don't think we should be reading this anymore. You know what? That's why it's so wild, too, because, you know, we were all in the same boat, too. That was the culture of it. And it took so long for us to realize how bad it was. How did reading this kind of coverage impact you as a teen? Oh, I think it made me deeply sick. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I'm a deeply sick adult because of the things that I read when I was like 15. But I, you know, I have been thinking about it a lot and I don't think any of this would have really gone away in the same way were it not for the fact that Britney Spears had a real comeback and she didn't talk about any of it. And so normally when the public or when the media go after somebody like that, with that severity, they're gone. Like they don't really re-enter in the same way. They're never as famous as they were at their height. And she certainly isn't as famous as she was in like 2007. I'm sure she's grateful for that. But that we have to look at her every day and sort of be like, yikes, like we really dragged you through it. I think sort of forced a bit of a reckoning, but I think it continues to reverberate. You can see it in how we talk about mental health and mental illness. Now we talk about addiction. Now you see it in Stan culture and how people take runs at certain celebrities. If they think that they're doing something wrong to the person that they like, I mean, it's still very present. 
Now, this is such a great piece. You interviewed both Perez Hilton and Elaine Louis. But before we get into what they actually had to say, I need to know why you even wanted to write this. What made this feel so relevant to you? Elaine had written like a really big post about racism and white fragility last summer. And then she kind of got wrapped back up into this because old posts of hers were still live and she was still in the process of trying to figure out what to do with them. And it was so interesting because that was not the way that I remembered her. And then I realized like I had done a lot of selective editing in how I had remembered her work in particular because she's done a really good job of rebranding and doing other things. And now the website she runs... And not just that, but she's a TV personality in Canada. So the way that I know her is as someone who's really smart and really astute and knows how to pick apart the publicity machine that we're all sort of reading and watching, but she knows what it actually means. And then I was thinking of like, who else hasn't done a good job of sort of rebranding? And it's Perez. And he has for many years said, sorry, but it doesn't work. And there's something interesting to me about like, how do we know what apology is effective, which ones do we accept, and then which ones do we feel like there's a a sincerity chip missing. All right, we'll be right back to talk to Saatchi about how some celebrity blogs are trying to atone for their past. It. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Conquer your New Year's resolution to be more productive with the Before Breakfast podcast. In each bite-sized daily episode, time management and productivity expert Laura Vanderkam teaches you how to make the most of your time, both at work and at home. These are the practical suggestions you need to get more done with your day. Just as lifting weights keeps our bodies strong as we age, learning new skills is the mental equivalent of pumping iron. Listen to Before Breakfast wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm excited to be back with a new season of You and Me Both. You know, when we started this podcast, we were going through some tough times, and let's face it, we still are. But I am a firm believer we're stronger together. So please join me for more conversations with people who will make you think, make you laugh, and help us find a path forward. Listen to You and Me Both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Sachi Cole about toxic celebrity gossip blogs. You know, so as we mentioned before the break, you spoke with the creators of two of the most successful mid-2000 sites, Perez Hilton and Lainey Gossip, about how they're trying to make up for what they did. I want to start with Lainey because you kind of illustrate her growth as a person by comparing her reaction to two different celebrity scandals, Britney's 2008 public breakdown and Kristen Stewart getting caught having an affair in 2012. Can you explain what those two reactions were? So with Brittany, she seemed to feel like she was following it the way like a reporter follows like a hurricane. 
like by the minute coverage and sort of where is she, what's happening, what's going on. Like you could tell that she felt really obsessive about it at the time. That was where she lived. I mean, she was a competitor to people like Perez or TMZ. And so everybody was trying to get like the up to the minute coverage of her. And it's also funny because it's really easy for like, us as, as news consumers at the time to be like, well, I didn't do anything. I wasn't running a blog, but everybody was doing that coverage because everybody wanted to read it. There's a reason why everyone was doing that. And then a couple of years later, Kristen Stewart was caught like hugging and kissing her director who was married on another project while she was still dating the vampire. And, and her apology was so like, it made me uncomfortable because part of the apology is her saying basically to her boyfriend, I love him. I love him. I love him. And like, she's just so sorry. And you, even then you're like, I don't think she's the one who really owes anybody in a, a that big of an apology. She might need to speak to her boyfriend. Certainly she owes him an apology. Do I think she owes me anything? Not really. I think this married director who has power over her and children probably has more to say. That was such a moment that it's clear her career could have been derailed forever for that. And he would have been fine. But I think at the time, Lainey was sort of thinking about like, well, who are we as a culture going to be mad at? And who do we expect apologies from? And you know, what does this all mean? And I think that shifted her perspective a bit. Yeah. And not everyone has that experience of like trying to decide like morally what they should do. So, you know, when you spoke to her, did you get the sense that you thought she was really apologetic? Like, what do you think of the measures she's taken to flag and own how offensive some of her content truly was? I think she feels bad and I think she feels guilty and I think she feels shame. Which again is not what everyone feels who's in this business. Yeah, not everybody feels that way. Those feelings, I think, are the very least of what she owes everybody. So it's that's good. These sort of things are tough. Apology tours are tough because it's not really for me to say like, oh, is it a good apology? Do I accept it? I read Lainey and I like her and I like her work and I'm thankful that at least she's trying to like fix some of this stuff. But I also recognize the people that she went after. I'm not really a part of those groups. So yeah, she went after women for sure. I don't love that. But she also went like, she went after black people like crazy. She was super, there was a lot of transphobic stuff in her website, a lot of anti-gay stuff. Those are not communities I'm a part of. So who am I to say anything? And I think she was also aware of this in her interview, that there are a lot of people who will never come back to her. And she's like, that's, that's the cost. Fair enough. Like, why should they? I do think a big difference with her versus other people generally who kind of have to do these public apologies is she knows she can never say, I said, sorry, like, what else do you want? That's never going to happen for her. And she knows that she says contrition is an ongoing process. And so she knows she might for the rest of her life, once a week (laughs) on Twitter, off Twitter, whatever that looks like need to say, Oh, I'm really sorry. I like fucked up. And that was disgusting of me. And that just might be the rest of her life. And, you know, you said that she is, you think that she's really apologetic and that she does feel shame and regret. But, you know, now I have to talk about Perez Hilton because I found his apology to maybe he doesn't feel the same way. So do you think that he actually changed his content because he knew it was wrong? Or do you think he changed it because it wasn't socially acceptable anymore? The timing was suspect. It came around the time he got in a fight with Will I Am. He maybe got punched by someone in his camp. He called Will Ham the F word. Like 
the timing is it was very odd and i don't think his attempts at reformation have been that interesting or profound i mean i know like he just has deleted a lot of posts. Like I could tell in the, in my research, I was like, there's a bunch of stuff that's just gone. And then there's other stuff that isn't like some of the really brutal stuff that he said about Brittany is still very much live. I don't know what's in his heart. Like maybe he is really sorry. He's a very different person now than he was 20 years ago for sure. But I don't know how he feels. I think generally people can tell when someone's being sincere or not, at least for themselves. And I think when I heard what he had to say, it did strike me as not super sincere, partly because he'll cut himself off in an apology to be like, but I said, I was sorry. And it's like, yeah, sometimes you got to sit and you might have to say forever. And I asked him too, like, what would restorative justice look like after, you know, you put a lot of bad stuff in the world and Laney's was like, it's an ongoing process. I'm talking to a lot of people I'm figuring out. And his answer was restorative justice is already happening to me because I'm not getting opportunities that I should get. Oh my God. People feeling repercussions and then taking offense to that. Ooh, chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. So it, you can, you can just sort of feel it in the air. He's, he's frustrated. He's sick of having to talk about this, but he also like, he very clearly courts it. I mean, the piece has been live for a couple of days and I'm watching him fave tweets that just yell at him. And, you know, you mentioned doors being closed in his face. And the first thing that comes to mind is TikTok. And, you know, it seems like he can't stop talking about or, you know, trying to profit off of the gossip about teenagers. And then he was banned from TikTok. So can you kind of talk about what what even happened there? I'm not super sure. <laughs> um TikTok is notoriously like silent about when they ban people and they ban people very sparingly. Like it takes a lot actually to kind of get kicked off of that app. All they would say was that he violated community guidelines repeatedly. There's a few things that were made public. He left some comments on a couple of accounts. I think generally when you have an adult person sort of engaging in teenage pop culture, there's a heightened level of anxiety about that. Okay. So We've seen a lot of this type of apology lately, you know, not just from gossip sites, but from celebrities like Justin Timberlake. Was that, was that an apology? No, it was not. You're <laughs> correct, Sachi. Not. It wasn't, which is what I want to get to. I feel like they've now changed what the definition of an apology is. And so now we've like transformed into this surface level statement, I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Do we think that like we're ever going to evolve into non-surface level apologies? I have... No idea. I suppose that might happen if there are actually consequences for not putting in the work of of offering a good apology. And, the, you know, the tough thing about saying you're sorry is it's not a ball you drop in someone's hand and then run away and say, like, OK, I gave it to you. <laughs> what else do you want? It's an offer. It's an offer of contrition. It's an offer of trying to fix something. And whomever you've hurt is well within their right to say no. And so... That's tough to say. It's really tough to say. I mean, maybe there are some people who felt uh, satisfied by like Justin Timberlake's apology. I don't know. Did did Janet? If Justin and Janet have had private conversations, it's not on Janet yeah. to then tell us. <laughs> yeah. I would be shocked if they'd had a private conversation. Oh, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. A big if here. <laughs> I'm very surprised. And especially with that like particular scenario, it feels a little too late. You know, it's like this was over a decade ago. And, you know, even with these gossip blogs, they were from a different era. And, you know, I know that we have to apologize, like when, you know, like culture has changed, like you mentioned, but 
still, I mean, sometimes it's just, it's, it's empty. You know, what can really be done? Like you said, you have to put in the work. Yeah. I, I think like, it's sort of that adage about pornography. It's like, you know, it when you see it, you know, an apology that, that means something when you hear it. And, you know, gossip blogs have not gone away. They still exist. And you mentioned that even now they're no less toxic, but instead you find the hate in the comments section and things like that, if not the blog itself. So is this just another loophole where content creators can kind of, you know, shrug off the responsibility for what's being said without sacrificing the traffic that they're getting or just the overall interactions? Like, what does it look like today? Yeah. And I mean, a lot of the gossip blogs that anybody sort of thinking about now, a lot of them are anonymous. So something like the shade room, they have a staff, but you don't really know who's writing what Instagram posts when you look at it. Demois, which is the like Instagram account that everybody's been talking about. They're a bit different because they mostly post on Instagram stories. So you don't get any color commentary. You And, and, and their gossip is profoundly mundane. It's like... It truly is. Yeah. yeah like, oh, <laughs> oh, like, oh, cool. You saw like a famous person eat at like a... $80 a roll sushi restaurant in Studio City? Like, okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that a recent one was saw Biden in DC. And everyone's yeah, like, like <laughs> okay. Yeah, like it's 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 silly. I mean, I haven't like, they're right a lot, but I haven't seen anything super controversial about their color commentary. The Shade Room's comment section is like a dark place. It's a really, really dark place. And I think they've started to try to track back a little bit and to regulate a bit more, but they used to really, you know, they post a photo of something or of somebody and they would just be like, what do you think? Uh. <laughs> it's like, oh, like, you know what you're doing to some degree. Like if you have an audience that at least the the people who are commenting sort of in there, you can, you can see like when they post a photo of someone who's gay, when they were posting stuff about Lil Nas X and the video he released a few weeks ago, you can see the Shade Room's comments are brutal. They're brutal about gay people. They're brutal about black gay men. Like, and there doesn't seem to be any regulation of it, but then the Shade Room gets to sort of wipe their hands clean and be like, well, you know, we didn't say it. It's like, yeah, but you are hosting the town square where this is happening and they can turn the comments off and they can turn the comments off (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah as a web we all work at a website and we know that's possible there's lots of things you can do (laughs) you can hire (laughs) right you can hire moderators you can uh, mute certain words so that they don't appear in your comments like there's a million things that can be done and i think you know that cuts down on their engagement so they don't do it Well, I mean, lots to think about. I don't think these are going anywhere anytime soon, but thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right, that's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, popcorn and mayo do not, do not make a salad. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed coming to you daily. Where's Ralph? He's over there, hogging the hell of a good dip for his big game ritual. Oh, boy. Hey, Ralph, can we get some of that, too? Yeah, yeah, soon. Almost done. First the carrot, two taps and dip. Then the celery. Ah, yes, now the chips. All dipped in creamy, hell of a good dip. Mmm, delicious. Yes! 
It worked! Get the dip made with real milk and cream that wins every time. Not just good, hell of a good. Give us your attention, we need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations, we be the endless podcast. Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And, and break us off with some bread because we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mama, what does the chicken say? Uh, dog. Cat. Giraffe. Giraffe, really? Giraffe. Uh, giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit NHTSA.gov. Slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.